Remember, for it to be a forward pass, it's got to go forward. Kaepernick, end jump, Crabtree, broken up, picked off! This game is over! Well, I'm the best corner in the game! When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're gonna get! Don't you ever talk about me! L.O.B. He wants to get in the fight, you can't do that! The quarterback, you can't fight! All right, the regular season is over. The NFC appears to have all the best teams for now. Can the Patriots find their form? Will Peyton Manning suddenly find a miracle cure for his January blues? Can the Panthers keep pounding all the way into February? We're going to get the answers to those questions in a couple of weeks' time. For now, it's all about wildcard weekend. Uh, joining us on the Off the Ball NFL podcast, we've got Kian Fahey of Football Outsiders and uh, Mick McCarthy. Lads, you're very welcome. Lots to talk about. Uh, coaching vacancies, we'll get to that in a, a while. But um, the games, it's all about the games this weekend. KC at Houston. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati, Seattle at Minnesota, and Green Bay at Washington. And um, I guess we should start with Green Bay at Washington, right? Because Washington, mm-hmm. as of earlier in the week, were favorites. I don't know if they still are. But uh, you know what, Keen? I think that the bookmakers might have this right for once. Yeah, well, you, you'd never have guessed it before the season because you would have thought Washington were going to win three or four games if they were lucky, and you thought the Packers were one of the best teams in the NFC. But the Packers... Every week, they just look worse and worse and worse. And it's literally been gradual where you can point to week 15, it was one level, week 16 is another level, and week 17 was even lower level. And you saw they, they blew out the Vikings the first time they met them, and then so everyone was kind of thinking, oh, they'll just show up and do it in week 17. They, they'll match up well to the Vikings, or Aaron Rodgers will turn up and drag them to, through a game they want to win, like he has done in the past. And he just couldn't do it, because they're just that bad. And it always takes a while when when one team has a great QB and when they have a lot of reputable, reputable players, it always takes a while for opinion to change and for us to kind of give up on the idea that they're a good team. And I think we're probably at the point now where we have to give up on it. You're still, you're still kind of uh, sceptical about Washington because you don't think Washington are great either, but that, that's going to be the beauty of this matchup. Is it going to be Rodgers who can just overwhelm everyone else and just go to that superhuman form that he sometimes goes to? Or are the Packers going to limp out like they have in the past? Go on. Quarterback such a big position that it... it you know, and we talk about it so much and we talk like this game will be talked about as Aaron Rodgers versus Kirk Cousins. And like without doing a disservice to Cousins, who's I think a lot better than most of us thought at the start of the year, that's obviously a massive disparity. But I think like what you're saying, Keen, is like we're just not accepting. It's like we refuse to accept how bad the rest of that Packers team is and um it's like it, it's we see it every week. Well, we hang see on. it every week. They've been terrible for a long time. Why now. though? What what why have they suddenly got bad, Keen? Well, the main thing is the lack of receivers. The, like, everyone used to always talk about how much depth the Packers receivers had and how great they were. And a lot of people, or a lot of um, analysts and writers would always kind of point out it's really just the top two because it was Jordy Nelson or Randall Cobb. And Cobb was always clearly the second best of those, of those two. And Nelson is a guy who has been overlooked a lot in his career because he plays with Rodgers. And people say, oh, you can take anyone out and put, put someone else in. And you'll still get the same production. But that's not really true. Nelson's kind of an amazing player, really. He he, he doesn't make Rodgers who he is, but he made Rodgers better and Rodgers made him better. It was kind of a perfect relationship because he excelled at catching those passes that uh, Rodgers could put down the sideline. And now he's kind of thrown them to Devontae Adams and James Jones. James Jones is a fine player, but he's just limited generally. He needs he needs a perfect pass, really, to be effective. He, he, can, he can't separate, but he can make those catches. 
The problem really is Devante Adams because he's so bad that he limits everything else around him because they don't really need to match up to him at all. You can kind of put your worst cornerback on Devante Adams and expect to shut him down because even if he does get, get open, he's more than likely not going to catch the ball, which is an amazing thing to say about any NFL receiver. But the way he's been this year, like there was one, there was one game earlier this year, I think it was the Panthers game, I think he had 20, 21 targets and he caught seven or eight balls, which is a really low ratio, obviously, but he only got like 38 or 30, 40 yards or something like that. Yeah. Which is unbelievable number when you think about it. That's what, three or four games worth of targets and he was getting 30 or 40 yards from the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Has the offensive line disintegrated though as well? Because like, so the say the receivers are a massive step down from where they should be. At the same time, Eddie Lacy and or James Starks should be capable of doing good work the way they have been over the last couple of seasons. And that also has been hit and miss. Is that just because Eddie Lacy is also, it's like a, a weird confluence, our receivers got a shit and then suddenly Eddie Lacy gets too fat to be able to run again? Yeah, well, that's kind of the, a big part of what we kind of mistake, the mistakes we make when we kind of compartmentalize everything. We say, oh, they've got, they've got a great offensive line, they've got a great set of receivers, they've got a great running back. When in reality, each of those units are, are working together and lifting each other up and are, are pulling each other down. And the Packers' offensive line was never as great as its reputation suggested it was, but it was good. It was strong. It, it was better pass blocking than it is run blocking. And so, so they can still pass block a little bit. They've been injured in recent weeks. When they're healthy, I'll say they can still pass block a little bit, which is fine. It helps Rodgers. It gives them time, but it doesn't really matter if his receivers aren't getting them open. In terms of running the ball, they're okay running their run blocking unit, but I think the running backs there have been a bigger problem, which is just kind of the whole that it's kind of what Mick was saying we, we kind of can't really accept that the team has gotten this bad that there's just so many problems all around but you can see with Eddie Lacy some weeks he looks like he's 20 pounds overweight and can't move properly and then the next week he's showing a little bit of explosion where he has one or two big runs so his stats look a lot better than his performance actually is and I think he I, I would guess he's playing hurt or otherwise he's had Trent Richardson syndrome where he's decided to just stop caring and he's just putting on weight and slowing down because he doesn't really want to want to be the bell cow back that the Packers need him to be. And Starks, Starks has all the athleticism that you want Lacey to have, but he doesn't have the brain that Lacey has. So then you've, kind of, you've got to pick between two significantly flawed players so you yeah. don't have any one that you can rely on. And that's kind of where their offense is. They've got to figure out who's going to turn up on what given day. Yeah, I mean, if you started at the start of the season and said it's going to be uh, Green Bay at Washington, you'd make Green Bay seven points favourites after the first week. Uh, now Washington are point favourites. One of the things I did have to look up this week was, because because of who the two teams are, I had to look up the last time Aaron Rodgers played Washington. And while the teams have changed a bit, they haven't changed a huge amount, not as much as you'd think. It was in 2013, he threw for 480 <laughs> yards, four touchdowns and no interceptions. And I just can't imagine that happening now. That's why I was going to ask you about the matchup. Like I've been watching a good bit of Washington. Just their their bets have been intriguing. Let's just say over the over the the last few Sundays. But they seem to have this thing where I I thought it was a home and away thing for a while. But even that doesn't seem to be playing out. It just seems to be that they're a schizophrenic team. That like obviously they've gotten a run at the right time, but they seem to be brilliant one week and unstoppable, and then when you expect them to do it. Um, they don't turn up and they, they could get hammered to any team in the NFL really Like, but I guess even being favourites this week you kind of think that it, it, it is still the Packers and it's still Aaron Rodgers coming to town I don't think it's been one of those that they'll they'll expect to win and be looking at the following week Well the the thing I I, I was looking at the same as you the matchups with them and a lot of people have said the home away thing to me and I, I, I kind of thought I saw it I saw the, the trend that was there but I didn't really buy into it because I, I rarely buy into that kind of thing but mm. 
what to me what I've always thought with that offense is because that offense is really talented. We would have t- if you asked me in August how talented is that offense, I'd say it's really talented. It just needs a quarterback, and that's why you, you were kind of hopeful back then that RG three might look a little bit like he was previous, but that didn't happen. So, so as far as I can tell, the offense to me is. Kirk Cousins is, is limited. He's, he's a very limited player. He's put up big numbers, but he's limited. And it's because that offense around him is so talented, they need him to play to a certain level to be really productive. And against bad defenses, which is what they've played, they've, they've played a lot of, he'll put up huge numbers. Against good defenses, they'll collapse a little bit because he gets put in situations where he has to throw against pressure and he has to throw into tighter windows. And it's just not really something he can do. But the Green Bay D isn't that bad, right? Yeah, this is the other thing with the Packers. It's, it's a confusing defense. It's just their whole season has been, are they going to show up? Because some weeks they'll look really good. Julius Peppers, Clay Matthews, and the front will just get a lot of pressure and the secondary will be opportunistic. But then other weeks they look like they don't really know what their opponents are going to do. They look lost like they they didn't know, like they, they didn't game plan at all. That's why the defensive coordinator there has always been a problem and someone they always, they always complain about because the defense is just so unreliable. And that's the problem with this game. If you knew the Packers' defense was going to show up, you'd probably pick the Packers comfortably just because of Rodgers again on the offense. But you can't tell with this team. You can't rely on anything with this team. What's the running game situation for Washington? So we're talking about... Um, you own all of them in fantasy, right? <laughs> well, no, just... Well, I have a, in different leagues. but No, but I mean that you've got, like, Jones, you've got Morris. Um, you've got a third guy whose name escapes you at the moment. But the, the, it is definitely a committee. But, like, Morris, you see, you think has fallen off a cliff. But he is still giving them bits and pieces in games. They just don't seem to be relying on one the way the Packers need Eddie Lacy to be. I, like, I mean, they definitely... like. It's like they have no good running back, but they have a good running offense. Yeah, I, well, it, that's that scheme again, and the offensive line is pretty good. But Matt Jones is the rookie, and uh, I think there are two. I can't remember if Chris Thompson. I think he's injured. He's another. He's, I think he's a second year player, and I think he was replaced by Pierre Thomas recently. The, the veteran who used to be with the Saints, who's a really, really good back. He's just kind of old and wearing down athletically. But uh, Alfred Morris said we has had a weird season because he seemed to get benched at one point, yeah. and Matt Jones became the main guy. And I'm not sure is Jones healthy or not this week, but. If Jones is healthy, he'll be the main the main uh, runner, and he's he's pretty talented. He's, your only concern with him is I, I don't think he has many fumbles, but there was a fumble question when he came into the league, so it might be one of those big stage opportune times where he gives the ball up. But, but can, if he holds on to it, he's a really dangerous player. You can just deflate the ball a little bit, and then you never have any fumbles like the Pats do. That's how. Yeah, yes, I got it the wrong game. We've had a few fumbles this year, strangely enough. Oh, like, yeah, hey, hey, yeah, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Bizarre. So no one's predicting a winner or a loser in this game. I keep finding reasons to, well, maybe. Well, so Aaron Rodgers is the best player in the field. They should still win the game. Well, that's not always the way it works. But I do think the Packers probably win this because it feels like, if, do you remember last year? I think it was like week nine in the regular season and everyone thought the Eagles were playing great and Mark Sanchez was being picked against the Seahawks. <laughs> and you were kind of like, are we getting a bit trapped in the moment? It's getting a bit weird. And I think that's kind of where we're going, where... We're just overrating the team that we didn't have any expectations for and underrating the team we had all the expectations for. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, look, they did a really good job of managing Kirk Cousins to a point where they could unleash him a bit and then we'll see. I think people will start believing if they beat Green Bay this weekend, mm. even though Green I was going to say, if they do beat Green Bay this weekend, I'll be betting against them next weekend. Because uh, they'll be playing Seattle? No, they won't be playing Seattle. They'll be playing one of the boys. Carolina? Yeah. Um, Carolina, yeah. Or it depends on who wins the other game, but Carolina or um, or Arizona. Yeah. All right. Uh, Seattle at Minnesota is the next game. Um, this is really straightforward. Seattle are one of the best teams in football. Minnesota are not. Seattle are going to win. 
Well, that's what happened last time. I mean, I had completely given up on the Seahawks the last time they played Minnesota. And it, I remember it was, I think it was a late game and it was the only good game on at the time. Watched, and it was over after five minutes. It was like, I don't know, Keen, you probably have to score with 35 nil is kind of what I remember. But um, I don't think that's going to happen again. Like, I mean... Minnesota is a team that you've been trying to give up on all season the same way as um, as we talk about with Washington. Like It's just that you don't think that they're for real. You don't think they've got a good enough quarterback. They've stuck in there. They went and they had they did the job they had to do last week and beat the Packers. They've, um, they won their division, which we talked about on this podcast. I remember sitting in this seat talking about how he, um, the Packers were going to win the Super Bowl. And one of the reasons is they had such an easy division, they were going to walk away with it and they could... They could um, they could finish the season pulling up, and that didn't work out. So I, I wouldn't like. What have the Seahawks done? They lost to the Rams. They've lost. They got hammered. They, like they, well, they didn't get hammered. They got easily beaten by the Rams two weeks ago, yeah. and then they beat an Arizona team that were locked into the two seed. Basically, they knew they knew Carolina were going to beat Tampa. They have one of the highest scoring offenses and one of the best defenses in football. I'll, I'll agree that Russell Wilson's uh, stats have been pretty ridiculous for the yeah, last uh, the eight weeks or something. Highest eight-week run in football history or something? It's, I think it's, yeah, I don't know, 15 and 2 maybe. But uh, look, I'm I just not sold on them. Like, I mean, look, they could easily go and do the same thing again in Minnesota this week, right, that they did before. They're clearly more talented. I'm just not sure that they are where they were for the last two years, the last three years this year and I'm just not saying I'm just saying it's not a done deal it's not the same as it's going to be in week I don't know random number 11 whenever yeah. they play each other um, Seattle minus 5 I think is one of the bets of the weekend Keen. well I, I'm kind of amazed to hear Mick say this because all week all I encounter are fans of other teams who are terrified of the Seahawks because they, they think the Seahawks are coming and you can you can understand why they. Ain't what happened with the Rams game then? How come everybody just completely dismisses that? Like that—that that was the way they've been playing all season, except for this run that they had in the middle. <laughs> except for seven games. No, yeah, but they weren't that dominant in all those games. Their offense played really well, right? And and Wilson has good numbers, but they just go and they just laid an egg against the Rams. That's the kind of team they've been. Divisional game. Rams always play really hard they do, they do. against uh, in the division against teams who are good. Whenever the team is crap that you can expect the Rams to miss a field goal and cost you three spots in the draft like they did against San Francisco <laughs> last weekend. But it's a divisional game and that was a week when they had Bryce Brown. Kristen Michael wasn't even good again like he was last weekend. Uh, this time they have Beast Mode and Kristen Michael. I don't know. I think that's everything that... That was a kick up the hole they needed after a, an amazing run of form. There's one pretty one simple reason about the Rams, the Rams doing that to the Seahawks and... Well, part of it actually, there's two, maybe two reasons. Part of it is Jeff Fisher teams, just whatever it is, they play in their divisions well. They play the Seahawks well. They always have. But the main part from that game was the, be- the strongest part of the Rams team is the de- defensive line. Even with Robert Quinn's sideline, that defensive line is unbelievable. The worst part of the Seahawks team is the offensive line. And so when, when this, the Rams defensive line went against the Seahawks offensive line, it was game over. A running game was shut down. Wilson was constantly under pressure. The Vikings offensive line is really good. Our defensive line is really good, sorry, I mean. And so they will be able to do something against that Seahawks defense. But the main problem here is the Vikings offensive line on the other side, the other matchup on the other side of the ball against the Seahawks defensive line is just going to be eaten alive. That's what happened in the last game. They sacked Bridgewater four times, but it could have been seven or eight. And the main problem was they were getting pressure that was just destroying plays. Like Bridgewater was dropping back in the pocket, getting to the top of his drop, and he had two guys on him straight away or... He had to try and avoid them just to throw the ball away. And you, you can you can understand why it's the playoffs. And 
every so often these these upsets happen, and it's one it's a one game it's one game, so, so anything could happen, and they, they are a talented team. But logically, when you look at that offensive line, it's just going to be overwhelmed, and you can't really make a, a sound argument for how to see or how the Vikings are going to move the ball unless Adrian Peterson just turns up like a superhuman player. It's it's kind of like the Packers game, really, where. You're expect you need Peterson to be great, Packers need Rodgers to be great. Yeah. So that's the way the game is going to be decided. I just I think this is going to look more like the regular season game where the, the Seahawks win by twenty or so points. Because even in that game, the Vikings only score came on a kick return from Carter Patterson late. Like late, well, late on. Last week uh, in a game they won, Teddy B had less than a hundred yards through the air. Which was uh, one of those stats you're like, all right, this quarterback isn't actually the reason why this team is winning. Their defense is great, so yeah. it's going to be interesting to you see. Do, you do figure the Seahawks will shut down Peterson as well. Like that, you know, the, the good teams stop your best player. So we'll stick a fork in Seattle and Minnesota and move to the AFC uh, Pittsburgh at Cincy and Kansas City at Houston. Uh, Cincinnati, 1980, I think, is the last time they won. That can't be right, is it? Cincinnati won it. Sounds about right. But that, I remember the No, they were in the Super Bowl in were. 91 or something, weren't they? Maybe it's a oh, no, maybe it's a Washington. Wild, a wild, I don't know. <laughs> but do the icky icky shake. That was a that was anyway. Somebody said it's a long time since they won. Um, Andy Dalton's never won a playoff game. No. So but has AJ? <laughs> I don't think so. No, AJ McCarron has not won. Uh so and he's going to be playing this weekend. I feel really sorry for the Bengals because this looked like the year where they got everything together. Their defense is amazing. Their offense has Tyler Eifert back. He was an absolute beast, completely unstoppable until a range of injuries and concussions took him out. And uh, and for some reason, they seem to underutilize AJ Green this year. And I'm never quite sure with their running backs who is the one they trust. It's like, well, maybe one of you is going to have a hot hand today, but it's going to take us a long time to find out which one of you it is. Um... And that has all happened since the injury to Dalton. I think they're 4-4 four and four after starting 8-0. So uh, if they had Dalton and he was in the full of his health, then I would actually make them strong favourites to win this game because I just don't trust the Steelers. But as it is, you've just got to go with the Steelers because Antonio Brown. <laughs> That's basically the way that works sometimes, though, isn't it? Um, actually, just looking at it, it was 1988 was the last time. 88, yeah. I won a conference championship. I don't know if that's playoff games, but um, I, AJ, you're, you're still not sure if Dalton's going to play because he does have that cast off and he has been gripping a ball. I think it would be a surprise if he played, but considering the way AJ McCarron has played, you're probably better off trying to get Dalton in if he has any chance of being healthy, even though he probably isn't going to be healthy. Um, I. I I think it would be a close game no matter what if Dalton or McCarron were there because I just think Dalton's not as good as Roethlisberger and the Cedars have so many weapons on offense. Even with D'Angelo Williams isn't going to play this week so the running game probably won't be as good so you, you'll probably see Roethlisberger throw the ball 50 times even if he's doing that. They're still not really concerned because they've got Antonio Brown, they've got Martavis Bryant, they've got Marcus Wheaton, they've just got so many pieces to, to throw the ball to. Uh, the Bengals, I think we're, we're going to have what is it the fifth year in a row where the Bengals lose in the wild card round? Yeah, and this time we won't even have Dalton. It's, it's you, you start to feel bad for them after a while, really, I especially do. because that's probably the most talented team in the league. Yeah, that's the thing. Like they deserve, they deserve to have like get through this game and then get Dalton back and let's see what the truth about them is. And if they do that, they could actually be the favourites for the whole AFC because the Patriots, and we will obviously get to that, but the, the other teams in the AFC don't look great. It's not like the NFC where you've got three or four who you think will win it. Hmm. Yeah. I, like, if I was um, 
the problem with this though is like I think Pittsburgh are actually a really good matchup for for the Bengals. I mean, I like they beat them obviously the last time they played. The first time they played, I was um, I had bet them in Vegas in a pick 'em. They they cost me an accumulator, and I watched that whole game. That was the game that Levy and Bell. Um, injured himself that happened you know in the second quarter or something like that it kind of took Pittsburgh a bit out of their game but they still had that one for the whole time and like in fairness Dalton actually had a really good game and and won it for them in, in the end and, and Ben threw a couple of weird interceptions but it seemed like Pittsburgh were the better team that day and they definitely were the next time they played which I think which was um, uh, a couple of months uh, I, I'm not sure how long ago it was but they, they, they yeah. Beat, yeah they beat them quite easily like so I mean Pittsburgh, you don't know what you're going to get, as you said, Jer. Like they've just been, they've just had the weirdest. Well, that season, bloody game but... against Baltimore cost me uh, a lot of money in my fantasy league. Yeah, um, when they just couldn't get anything going. A lot of money. Like, th- and it didn't make any sense that they couldn't get anything going because they kept trying to throw against a Ravens team who aren't particularly good, and suddenly decide to play tough. Like you should be immune to that, even if it's a game where there's a rivalry. You should still be immune to that because. Apparently there's a rivalry between these two teams. One of the Bengals says he hates Pittsburgh and that's going to be a, up on the dressing room wall or on their iPads, yeah. emailed around, Snapchatted to every player. Microsoft tablets, I think it is, in the NFL, oh, yeah, isn't sorry, it? Yeah. Look, they have... Um, they, like, Surface. I, I just think that the Bengals were already talking about a, a playoff, you know, some sort of curse or whatever. I don't know if it's a, quite a curse yet, but there's, there's something hanging over them with not getting the job done in the playoffs. And then you have your division rivals... The big bad bullies of the division, who are a team that everybody's a little bit scared of, not, anyway. Not being bullying, like have been scoreable on, and have been flaky in recent weeks. Yeah, no, they have been. But what I'm saying is that 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 like even psychologically, they come in and and they've give, they've beaten you and maybe should have beaten you the other time they've played this year. I just I don't know. Like, I'm and it's, my mind. it's your backup quarterback as well. I'm changing my mind here. I'm going for Cincy. I think AJ McCarron's the most egotistical man in, in world time. sport <laughs> who believes he's actually better than uh, Tom Brady so I don't know I, I just like to say that I love the fact that we call teams uh, unreliable just because they lost you money earlier in the year no well they are <laughs> it's very unreliable very unreliable <laughs> but they were they were the type of team who would come out and torch teams in a, an 8 minute period having been 21 nil down like there was a I can't even remember the game now but I remember going to bed and um the Steelers were down, getting annihilated, and then woke up the next morning and Roethlisberger had thrown for 400 yards. Denver, was it? Well, I think one of the um, one of the things that Mike Mike said there, or that Mick said there, was um, I don't know why I started calling him Mike for some reason. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but Mick, Mick said there was that Roethlisberger threw a couple of stupid interceptions when he, when he played the Bengals the first time around. And at the time, I remember watching that game, and Roethlisberger had just come back from injury, and I said, "Oh, he's just back from injury. That's just because he's." uncomfortable or whatever but it's something he's done the whole way throughout the year where he's just kind of like dropped back and there's a linebacker standing right in front of him and he looks at the linebacker all day and then he throws it straight to the linebacker and you're kind of going what are you doing that you're good but <laughs> that, that's kind of the thing that's going to decide this game I think if Rottensburger turns up and throws the ball a lot like we expect him to can he avoid those complete stupid mistakes because if he does that he'll be fine but if he doesn't then you know the Bengals will have a chance here's a question there was a piece on um, MMQ Monday Morning Quarterback uh, where they were talking about how this year it's the teams who are pushing the ball down the field the Cardinals obviously the Steelers and also Cam Newton to a certain extent these are the ones who are racking up big scores every week and I wonder if there's been some kind of advanced stats that has come out where they say Interceptions at a certain point of the field don't actually matter. If you're beyond your own 40 and you're throwing deep, take the chance because the opportunity for the opposition to score from so deep down 
is quite limited and actually the opportunity for us to score, the risk-reward is so much higher. I wonder if like those stupid, in inverted commas, interceptions, the ones where he throws it straight to the linebacker, notwithstanding, but the other ones where he throws deep and it's like a 50-50 jump ball for one of his incredibly talented receivers, they're actually like, you know what, screw it. If we lose that, it doesn't matter. But if we win, the reward is so high. Yeah, that, that was uh, Robert Mays' article. I think I read that. It was actually pretty good. I actually I wrote about something similar today or yesterday with Cam Newton because he's doing the same thing because he's got Ted Ginn and Devin Funches guys who can't consistently catch the ball. So they try and get forty yards every time they pass the ball because if you drop two forty or if you drop one of two forty yard passes, you've still got forty yards. Yeah. If you drop one of two ten yard passes, you've only got ten yards, and that's basically simple logic. But I don't think it's an advanced analytics thing because the Steelers are famed for not caring about analytics at all. Bruce Arians generally doesn't come across as someone who cares about numbers or analytics. He's the guy who tries to throw the ball down the field when there's 20 seconds left in the second in the second quarter and he's got his back of quarterback in. So there's no analytics, analytics, analytics even are going to tell you to do that. And the Panthers themselves have been very much the, an old school type of team. So I, I do think it's it's kind of the NFL turning around on itself because we've some, become so fascinated with efficiency, with the short passes, with... Like Kirk Cousins is getting praised for leading the league with 69.7% completion percentage. And it used to be that if you were over 60, it was great. Now you need to be over 66 or over 67 to get praised. And it, it, it's good, obviously. Being efficient is good. is always good. But sometimes it is just better to just be flinging the ball down downfield, going for the big plays. Because like you said, if they catch the ball 40 yards downfield, they're still 40 yards further away from the end zone. Yeah. And some punts will only go 30 or uh, 35 yards. Totally. You're both picking the Steelers? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just about. I, I actually, I'm not as afraid of the Steelers coming in as the sixth seed as I was a few weeks ago. I actually do think they're flaky. I think everything you said about them is right. I just think that I think Cincinnati is the type of game that they will. Um, I think if Cincinnati win this and get Dalton win. back, they're incredibly dangerous. They really I kind are. of agree with that yeah. too. Yeah. So Kansas City, Houston, Kansas City, ten games in a row. They were one in five. Called on this podcast, by the way, by me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They were going to run. You, the remember, you remember that, Keen? No. Nope. <laughs> I'll bloody find that audio. I know I, I, I called two things. I said that they'd win every game from here on in and that they'd win the division, which they didn't do because Denver just, just won enough games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I didn't put any money on that, though, which I would probably would have won. What stage were they? It was, they'd won two, I think. I think they'd won two. They'd won in London and they'd won the previous week. Or the, the next week, sorry. There's uh, no payslip, so you can't really claim you said it. So There you go. Well, we have audio uh, somewhere. I could totally manufacture that, but, you know. Um, I like Bill O'Brien. I was on a junket to uh, Penn State when he was the head coach over there because there was um, a forthcoming Penn State coming to Ireland and Bill O'Brien was the head coach. And um, he was just an interesting character and, you know, obviously you've got to do a bit of research. You're like, hang on a second, this guy worked at Belichick. So I had an interest in O'Brien. haven't backed him either of the two years when he's outperformed the preseason odds um, when I should have. And you know what? I wouldn't be terribly surprised if they actually managed to uh, to stop this Andy Reid juggernaut this weekend. Because let's face it, the Andy Reid juggernaut is based on the incredible ability of his quarterback to run the game. He's now one of the more interesting quarterbacks in the league. Maybe the, not the most interesting to watch, but certainly the backstory and improvement. Um, and uh, this is actually going to be one of the best games of the weekend, I think. I actually agree with that, which is really weird, especially since they played in week one and they both looked kind of bad. Um, I, it's kind of funny. I'm not a big Bill O'Brien fan, and the main reason I'm not a big Bill O'Brien fan is in week one against the Chiefs, just coincidentally, 
he had named Brian Hoyer as starting quarterback, and I think it was 30 passes into Brian Hoyer being a starting quarterback. He benched Brian Hoyer uh, from being a starting quarterback. Yeah, it was a mistake. something you can't do. <laughs> and meanwhile, while he was doing that, his defense was an absolute disaster. And it was a disaster not because the players were playing poorly or the players weren't good enough. They were a disaster because they would line players up in the same spots every play. They would have players doing exactly the same thing every play. And they had no discipline or awareness of what other offenses were going to do. And that's all coaching. And basically for the first, I, I, I don't know the exact numbers I wrote about it this week on, on preset reads, but I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it was over the first eight or nine games, they were giving up 28 points per game. Since then, they are after that, they changed. I think they, they gave up 45 points to the Dolphins in week, week eight or week nine. And at, after that game, they changed their approach. They started moving players around. They started changing up their assignments. They looked much more better prepared. Since then, they've been giving up 12 points per game. Clowney came into the team as well, which, like, yeah. you know, a first-round pick misses the entire season. Everybody's a bit like, well, don't know, is he going to be any good? And then he is actually really good. Well, he was actually there earlier in the year, but it's just the way they were setting up their offense. He wasn't really being put in positions to succeed or setting up their defense. And I, I think this matchup is going to be fascinating because it's not going to be like week one at all because both teams are so different. And that's the main reason I think they were incompetent coaches at the start of the year, and now they've become smarter. They've become a little bit more competent, and the team's actually playing well. Alex, how does um, how does <laughs> Andy Reid become a smarter, better coach after like twenty five years in the NFL through one the middle of one season? It does seem to have happened, though. Like I mean, there's like I mean the in um, the Bill Simmons uh, podcast, they always talk about like Andy Reid games, and that we haven't had one in so long. You yeah. know that you'd expect one around the corner, but have five very early in the season. Maybe <laughs> yeah, get them yeah, all out of yeah. system. Um, apparently they just trusted Alex Smith more to call stuff at the line of scrimmage that they hadn't. It was all pre-programmed and then it was like, hang on a second, you're very experienced, you've been in the game for uh, 10 years. My memories of Smith in the playoffs are actually very positive. He had that brilliant bootleg to win the game against the Saints in the shootout. And actually, in, on second thoughts, I'm now backing him over JJ Watt this weekend. So I'm picking the, the Chiefs. What about you two? Well, I, I'd, I'd pick Alex Smith over um, Brian Hoyer if it is even Brian Hoyer, like, as opposed to over J.J. Watt. Like, I actually think the Chiefs are much better than the Texans. I mean, Texans' defense will cause them a bit of problems, but I don't think they're anywhere near as good. The Texans' defense also won everybody who had them, their fantasy leagues, with uh, 28 and 32 points in the final two weeks. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you why I don't really believe in the Texans. I watched, um, obviously they were on a bit of a good run uh, up until, like, three, four weeks ago, and they played the Patriots, and I watched that game, and I was suddenly. And the Patriots, obviously, as we'll Kill talk them. about probably next week, are not playing well at the moment, and they just looked like a serious. Um, I don't know if you'd agree, Keen. Just a serious um, uh, disparity in, in in talent levels. If you just watch that game, the Patriots just seemed in a different league than them, um, which they haven't been doing at all lately. So I, I just I, I just find it hard to believe that they can win a playoff game based on just that one game alone. Uh, I agree with that, but I think if you put the Chiefs on the field with that Patriots team, you'd have the same feeling. Because okay. the Chiefs the Chiefs are doing this with Spencer Ware and Albert Wilson and Charkandrick West and you're kind of going, huh? Who are these? <laughs> and D Ford is even playing for Justin Houston and a lot of their opponents haven't been great. You look at the Raiders, the team kind of given up a little bit and the defense is always bad. Um, and so they were able to take advantage of that. I do think the Texans win this game and I think they win it because the defense is very, very good. I don't think it'll be any comfortable victory or anything like that. I think it'll be a low-scoring, kind of very tactical game, you might, might call it. But I think the most fascinating part of the game is I don't think Andy Reid has changed much. I think Alex Smith has changed a lot. And, Jerry, you'll probably know this from watching him in San Francisco. Alex Smith will go through 
12 games a year where he's just scared of throwing the ball downfield. And then you'll get a couple of games where he'll get a little bit more aggressive. He still won't be very aggressive. He won't be Cam Newton or Ben Roethlisberger like we talked about earlier, but he'll get a little more aggressive where he'll find Jeremy Macklin on more slants or posts or over the middle of the field. And that's what he's been doing lately. I hope it continues because it will make this a lot better game, but I'm just kind of waiting for it to collapse and waiting for it to, to give up on itself because that's what his track record suggests will happen. Yeah, he, does, he, he was really good in the playoffs for San Francisco, which kind of suggests that, you know, he should still be able to do that and and actually it's reaching, reaching that stage of his career where there's no point in just being conservative anymore it's like you're nearly finished here you may as well die with your, your boots on so and the other thing you, you can add to that the last time they played in this in the playoffs with the Chiefs remember he was great in that first half against the Colts and they put up what was it 35 points yeah. and then they, obviously in the second half it was different the Colts oh, yeah. came back but even that that's a positive sign for him yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that was a crazy game I just, uh, I'd forgotten about that right we've about two minutes left we should talk about the coaching vacancies it looks like almost all of these jobs are good jobs with obviously the exception of the Browns the Giants the Bucks the Titans all have QBs and some pieces plus picks to come the Niners have cap space at go-go and 12 draft picks the Eagles have a decent underperforming roster and the Dolphins have you know okay so the Dolphins suck as well but uh <laughs> Tom Coughlin, you wanted to play this clip, Mick, because you thought it was kind of, oh, cute. Yeah, I mean, Tom Coughlin is someone that we laugh at a lot. He's got a big red face. Uh, he stands on the sideline looking old and confused a lot of the time. But like, he has an amazing job and won two Super Bowls with the Giants. He's also the only quarterback that uh, Eli Manning has ever known. And Eli was uh, sobbing away at the press conference where Coughlin was announcing his retirement. I just thought this was lovely. He can handle it all. He's done it before. He'll handle it again. He's extremely bright. He's extremely competitive. He's what you're made, what you want a son to be made out of. Because what? I mean, he thinks he's the reason. He's not the reason that I'm. Eli, it's not you. It's not you. It's us. We win. We lose together. Remember, when we lose, I lose. When we win, you guys win. That's that's the way it is. That's the game. I know what it is. I got the game. I I got it. But what I would tell him. He's going to be right back in here in about two days starting to work on next year, just like he always does. And that's never going to change. And God bless him for it. Now he storms off yeah, gone. into the night. That's the end. That's the last we'll see of Tom. Until he gets a job. I'm going to miss him. The Dolphins. Oh, God. I don't know. He's like 69. I don't yeah, know. He's retiring you... Florida, you know? It's yeah. like exactly what yeah. Americans do. <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I, just, I, think that, I actually just thought that was really nice, but it's... Um, that's a good job for somebody. Yeah, there's actually. I'm not Sean joking. Payton? The Peyton's staying where he is. That's that's guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've oh. they've said they didn't chase him hard enough. No one seems to chase Sean Payton as hard as maybe everybody, including Sean Payton, expected them to to chase. Well, that was the best part of this week, wasn't it? It was the Saints going, uh, "Oh, you, you can have our coach for a first round pick or a second round pick," and then wondering why won't anyone give us a first round pick for this coach we're not really bothered about keeping? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, if you valuable you wouldn't be getting rid of them and they're all they're all stuck together Peyton has been making noises he wants to get out of there the Saints are a complete train wreck it's just been a bit weird I would say like Sean Payton obviously like you know if we look back in 2009 and before Bounty Gate when they were winning Super Bowls was one of the most sought after people in the NFL like I don't know if that's necessarily different now I just think that Sometimes you just need to change the scenery. And after Bounty Gate yeah. and everything like that, and the way that it's team was stripped, I'm not saying he's coaching them well at all, but I would, I would give up a first round pick from. Yeah, I think that um, if as if a, I was the Giants as a 49ers Dolphins. fan, I would have been happy enough if they given yeah. up a second round pick. Definitely. Yeah. And actually, you know what? A first round pick. What's the bloody difference? They have 12 picks. 
you're gonna you're gonna hit somebody else. They are good vacancies though. You know, at, at the Buccaneers, you get to work with Jameis Winston. At the Titans, you've got the first pick, and you've got uh, Mariota, who's clearly decent. The Giants do have an amazing potential on offense if you can just get the defense to play any way decent at all. They were so close in so many games this year, Ken. The Giants is a fascinating one for me because obviously the Americans care a lot about big markets and stuff like that, but we can't really talk about any of that. But for, in terms of just on the field, on the roster, it's fascinating because you've got Eli, who is one of the better quarterbacks in the league. That's not really going to be something you're going to argue against with the way he's played lately. But the problem with Eli is he's also old. He's not really he's not really someone you're going to be building a ten year career around. And so, so you've got an old quarterback that you're tied to. You don't really get to make your own decisions. He's obviously a good quarterback. You're happy about that, but he's only a short term option. Yeah. And then the problem with that is it's it's fine to have a short term option of quarterback if the team is built to win, but that team isn't great. If you look at the receivers on the team past Beckham, it's Ruben Randall, uh, Dwayne Harris, uh, Miles White, I think is the other guy. And you're kind of going, it's Odell Beckham and a bunch of guys. And then they've got no tight end. They need a tight end. They need to find a running back as well because Andre Williams just like runs into a wall in every, every play and just gains a yard or two. It's like watching the Colts of Richardson a few years ago. Yeah. And then on the defense, you've got no safeties, you've got no linebackers, and you need more defensive line help. Your cornerbacks are always injured. Well, so look- you're kind of going... Eli's there, it's a nice market, and the owners are generally pretty good, but it's a big undertaking to, to turn that team around in a couple of years. We will get the chance to talk about all these coaches as they're hired in coming weeks. Um, unfortunately, we've got to go for now. But, uh, Keen, great stuff. Thanks, Manion, for uh, joining us this afternoon. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Keen. That's uh, Keen Fahey there. You can get him on Twitter, at AF. Uh, we'll give you our picks in a minute. <laughs> All right, so Keen is gone. Mick is still here. I'm still here. How are you? Good. Are you on mic? <sighs> you'd swear you'd produce the show uh, in your time here. <clears throat> you'd swear I would. You'd swear. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you're picking. We're gonna pick. We're gonna pick the things. I just. Um, we're gonna pick with the spreads in the old tradition of mixed picks before the podcast kind of disappeared for a few weeks. There. <laughs> sorry about that, lads. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. About sorry. That. Well, we're, we're back now for the yeah. playoffs. The most important time of the year. Um, so we'll go with that just before we do though noticing that Keane picking four road wins on um, yeah on uh, wildcard weekend so yeah because they're all uh, they're all favourites except in Washington yeah just might be worth a small accumulator if you were if you were in already going to gamble I'd be, anyway. you know, be interested what the straight up odds on that are so the straight up odds on Pittsburgh and the Bengals Bengals 13-10 to 10, Pittsburgh 2-3 to three, effectively Pittsburgh minus three is evens. The Bengals plus three, six to five on. The this is this is so hard. So in the last five minutes, we've heard that Andy Dalton is out. Yeah, um, since we yeah, to record the first part of the podcast. Yeah, we took a little <coughs> break during the little thing you heard. Well, there. yeah. So um, <laughs> Andy Dalton's out, and I think that maybe that moves and changes my mind. And Pittsburgh minus three. Yeah, and look, this did only happen. Is Pittsburgh minus three still going to be the spread by the time we get to game time? I think it will, you know. I think they kind of knew he was out. I think the Bengals' defence is brilliant. I do think that there's a flakiness in the Steelers' team. All of the Steelers' fans you kind of come in contact with are like, that Mike Tomlin, why has he still got a job? And then it's like, oh, we're in the playoffs here. Thanks very yeah. much. One of the head coaches said to, again, I think it might have been somebody in MMQB, uh, why is Mike Tomlin getting a free pass here from everybody? Well, because he won a Super Bowl. Yeah. So, you know. He's in the playoffs. Yeah. His main running back tore every single thing in his knee. 
And then the second one is out for this one as well. Yeah. Which is another reason maybe to go... Like, hold on. Like, I, I picked Pittsburgh earlier, right? Now, whatever you're going for, we'll, I'll tell you in a minute. I have to say, Cincinnati have the joint best record in the AFC. Three teams ended up with the same record, right? They're third seed. That's unlucky. They Fair enough, they don't have their quarterback. Like, they're at home against Pittsburgh, who scraped into the sixth yeah. seed. And they're three points underdogs? There are 500 teams since after the first game, first eight games of the season, though. Four and four. I just think that's a slap in the face. And if you're putting stuff up in the dressing room door, Jer... Yeah, on that Microsoft you're, Surface. You're underdogs, I don't know. Yeah, actually, Fitzgerald Toussaint is the running back for the Steelers this weekend. I think I might have picked him up in the league earlier in the year. And true, then immediately dropped quick. him. <laughs> uh, somebody made the point. They've got a... New Orleans Jazz artist playing at running back for them. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bengals plus three. Okay. I will take... God, like, betting on the handicap, I don't like Pittsburgh minus three, but I think they will win the game and I'll take them with the three points. And I'm going with Pittsburgh. Houston Texans plus three and a half, Kansas City Chiefs minus three and a half. I'll take Chiefs. I'm going to take the Texans. Ooh, change my mind. Interesting. I'll change my mind. Uh, it's minus three and a half, is it, for the Chiefs? Yeah. No, I'll take them all day. Kansas City Chiefs at the Houston Texans. Yeah, yeah. Two road favorite, two road favorites here at the moment for me. Not looking good. Texans, You're taking the home dogs. The Texans are six to four. They're actually bigger than six to four to win the game. Yeah, I don't think they're. I I think they're not good. Yeah, they've got a very good receiver. Kansas City Chiefs won ten games in a row. Yeah. That must count for something. It has to. Uh, Seattle Seahawks at the Minnesota Vikings. Very good receiver and very good front five or front um, front seven. And other than that, I don't know what they have to be honest. The okay, what's the spreads on this year? Minus five Seattle, Minnesota plus five. Seattle Seahawks nine to four on Minnesota Vikings fifteen to eight. The Seattle Seahawks minus five. I'm taking Seattle. I know you are. <laughs> this is going to be like base mode two touchdowns. If I go against you here, this is going to be very. Uh, we're keeping the new score for the playoffs here. We've reset to zero. After reset I won for the, zero. You will give you the regular season that we have played. So you're taking the the Seahawks minus, minus five. five. Teddy Bridgewater I'm ninety nine yards passing last week. I'm going to think. Oh no, they got hammered by thirty points. What am I doing? No, I'm going to go with the Seahawks. You're a chicken. No, I think the Seahawks will win. I just don't You're think chicken it's a You just backed away from everything you else. said in the pod five minutes ago. Ah, uh, no, you, you didn't let me, you didn't actually let, were. You didn't actually let me finish as to how I did think the Seahawks were going to win. I just didn't know why everybody was hard in their pants for them. Mm. To, I was actually going to say something worse than that, and that was that was me trying to come back. Chumescent? <laughs> I don't know. What is worse? Chumescent would have been better because most people wouldn't have known what it meant. Washington Redskins minus one, or six to five on. Evens straight up the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers by a point, twenty-one to twenty. Mm. So this is just a straight. I'm bet taking on, the on the results. The Washington Professional Football Team. No, I'm not. I'm taking the Packers. Sorry, Packers minus one. Yeah, the Packers plus, plus one. one. Yeah, which is just the Packers. Yeah. Well, you never know. Well, they play to. A, oh yeah, you can play to a tie. Yeah. That's an interesting one, actually. Do they just keep playing for like six weeks? What if it's still going in six weeks? How do they finish it? Is there like a field goal competition? Oh, they should have. They should have like a field goal. Oh, with like you know, um, Clay Matthews taking field goals. <laughs> John Coon. Yeah. Coon. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Actually, that's an interesting one. Yeah. You can't have a tie in the playoffs, obviously. I'm gonna pick, actually. You know what? I'm gonna pick the Redskins. So, what are our picks? I have no clue. I just randomly okay. Picked. So you're picking Seahawks, Redskins. 
so yeah, Redskins minus one, Seahawks minus five, Texans uh, plus three and a half, and the Bengals plus three. I'm taking the opposite. I'm taking Pittsburgh, the Chiefs, and the Packers, and we're together on the Seahawks. Yeah, I think your picks are better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, just to wrap up our fantasy bullshit, I hate fantasy conversation. Uh, I owe you a fish and chips for our third, fourth place playoff. I stormed through to uh, a bye and yeah. uh, watching the bye as Brandon Marshall started to go very well and the Houston Texans D started to go very well for Jackie Terrell as he beat Billy Joe Padden. And then he beat me in the semi final, annihilated me in the semi final. I won my bye week on my uh, the wild card matchup as well. Be Jamesy. Oh, he beat me the week before. And then the following week, his points out was 133, which would have been enough to beat anybody and get him through to a final. If it did. Was that close in your game? I think it ended up being close, but I was never going to lose as the week, whatever way the week was played. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, kinda, I think I had guys on like Monday night who did nothing who were in my, there in, for me. In my game, I had... Um, I had Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. It, I missed out having Odell Beckham Jr. because he's a dickhead and got suspended for that mm. game, so I couldn't I couldn't have him. And then there was one point where I, I sat up and watched Ben throws a touchdown pass to Antonio Brown. I go out to get a beer, come back, and the points are gone. I'm like, what the shit happened there? It was like 16 points in one play because obviously I get four from Roethlisberger, six from Brown. <laughs> Uh, every yard counts for Brian and I get a quarter of the yards for him I was like wow this is in the first half it's at the point where the Baltimore Ravens might have gone home they would have yeah. been like a I remember this point now lead. actually yeah, this is just over Christmas it was ruled out yeah. for a, a, a catch rule I only found out today what it was ruled out for I was like wow what was it because I was watching on red zone so yeah, exactly and they didn't show in red zone I was like yeah. this so it was a, a catch the catch rule it was taken stripped off oh, him for that right. and um, that would have been points and then and then he keeps handing the ball off when they're on the goal line. He's like, turn the ball to Antonio Brown, you prick. I had D'Angelo, and yeah. they weren't getting over most of the time when they were on that line. He scored two touchdowns. I was actually, he actually had a really big game that day because I was playing Mossy, and to be honest, you and Mossy are the class of that league, and I kind of, look, I'll get to the semifinals, I'll be happy enough, Mossy will kill me. I, all my players died. You know my season. It was hilarious. I was playing lads that you've known. I was playing James White in the playoffs, the, the Patriots it player. Was grim. But whatever happened in that, there was a, there was a sweet spot, a moment, and you, about like, you know, in the fourth quarter of the late afternoon games where I had just come and it was like he had one guy playing that night and I was like five points ahead of him. It was a possibility. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I'd say five of his guys got a touchdown immediately. <laughs> like it was it was insane it Curly was just, got a late touchdown DeAndre Hopkins got a late touchdown and it was like, just suddenly over yeah. and I had I think I had Carson Palmer who just started they were winning by like 95 and points and he off. just started handing the ball yeah. off I think so yeah um, anyway look it doesn't matter it was another, another semi-final performance for me two years in a row Jer your title is gone and now it's a disaster I had the money already spent. But I'd say it was it was one of those though. It was uh, nobody expected Jackie. No, it's good for the league. You know, it's I, good for the league. It, it is because up until the two weeks before the playoffs, everybody had a chance of qualifying for the playoffs. Up until the last two weeks, really? They even, did. Yeah. Even Donny. Even Donny before he started to tank. It was the last two weeks he stopped having a chance, and then he tanked to get the first pick, which is effectively cheating. But he's a Patriots fan, so we understand that's what he's going to mm. do. Um, we haven't talked about the Patriots once. Actually, we'll do a Patriots special on Friday. We will next yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dynasty is the way to go, and there's like a lot of complaints about oh, it's too difficult. There's nothing on the waiver wire, but actually, it turns out there's loads of stuff on the wa- waiver wire. You just have to be on top of it, and unfortunately, you spend more time reading about it than everybody else. I just have to say though, well, it's a very tough thing when there isn't like nothing on the waiver wire, and 
everyone you have gets injured. Yeah, but high towers on the, on the waiver wire, it, apparently like 75% of Tim winning Tim Towers return is one of, Tim Hightower hasn't played football in about five years. He's the he was the Arizona backup. Is that who I that no is? Idea. Like, like, I'm just I'm honestly yeah. checking because it's like Oops. obviously nobody's watched a proper Saints game in months at this stage. No, right? it's but, only on. But uh, yeah, they, they're a pretty exciting offense next season. Sean Payton coming back, obviously. True breeze. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. I lost two semifinals that week. Actually, I'm in two Ooh. leagues, beating in two semifinals. By the eventual winner in both of them, which is actually more annoying than losing to some chump who gets beaten in the final. I'm staying in the chumps league and the other one for you didn't another get promotion? season. No, I didn't. I, I lost in the first round of the playoffs. I forgot to change my team. Who did it's get the promotion? third league for me. It's pretty tough. I, I, I'm I'm going to ask for cancellation. Release. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think the commission will be too happy, but we'll see. I don't think I can play three fancy leagues anymore. No, there comes a point in your life where you get to have relationships with other human beings luckily though my uh, girlfriend is a, a gambling addict and <laughs> just usually on NFL so <laughs> uh, alright who did get promotion from that league you don't know I don't I stopped paying attention uh-huh. I, I, got, I got a bit bitter I had been sending uh, incendiary emails uh, to that uh, group of people for the entire year about just on and off just about how I didn't want to be in their chumpy league and um, it and didn't. So once once I kind of went once it went bad for me, I decided I was probably best not really being part of this anymore. Sometimes when you spit, the wind blows back at you. Is that yeah. what you're really said about? I don't know, but I wouldn't know anything about that. I've never made a bombastic comment in my life. Did not just say even send them my email. All right. On that note, uh, <laughs> stuff and nonsense. We'll have uh, Keen and Sam back with this next week. Uh, if you've only started tuning in to the playoffs. And this is your first experience. Uh, Welcome to a, a good month. Good luck.